Welcome, everyone, to your Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek, the official and official voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete, or the variant who has taken his place. You throw a rock out here, you hit a Loki. Loki podcast by Fantastic Geek for Episode 5, Journey into Mystery, is brought to you by Roxy Wine, exceptional Pinot Noir, not fit for alligator or child consumption. Now, Pete, in this weekend of Marvel glory, we, of course, have uh, Black Widow. We have the viewing experience under our belts, as do many of our listeners. We will be podcasting that tomorrow, so share your thoughts about the latest entrance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Uh, Share that with us ASAP, as we will be podcasting tomorrow. Get us that we also have an opportunity. We have two more shirts to give away. Your final opportunity is going to come uh, in our Loki finale podcast next week. So make sure that you're retweeting, that you're sharing, that you're getting that out there to get your Loki t-shirt. Well, we, of course, will be... Uh giving continued chances to enter to that uh, by way of our socials media. So make sure that you're uh, keeping an eye out for that if you have not already uh, done so already. With that, Pete, I know that uh, for listeners of our pop culture podcast feed, those who uh, maybe follow us for some of our Star Trek coverage, they know that this August we will be talking Star Trek Lower Decks, the animated offering there. I'd like to ask you a question, Pete. What if... Marvel did something similar. The day before Lower Decks Season 2. Indeed, that is the date for What If, the highly anticipated animated series with voices that are all, or at least mostly all, uh, you know, the actors themselves and whatnot. Pete, I was not fully anticipating that kind of 2D, 3D style animation, um, but that proper What If trailer that came out just in the last week I has me even more excited about this show and uh, definitely excited to be talking about it in the future. We've talked before that this was coming and I'm there for the final Chadwick Boseman performance alone. Uh, it's funny. We went from not having a date to here's a trailer and a date. And we were kind of told, oh, not this summer. And now August 11th. But regardless, Fantastic Geek will be there to bring it to you. Let's look into the glorious purpose of this episode. And I guess they didn't think people caught the post credit scene in the previous episode. Uh, What makes you say that, Pete? Uh, As Loki gasps... He looks up to see boastful Loki, kid Loki, alligator Loki, and classic Loki. There's no dialogue. And then we go to the Marvel title card. Uh, We have that in all its glory. After that, we are inside the TVA, a spiraling, twisting shot uh, that goes up to the time elevator. Maybe it's just called an elevator. I don't know. Things are cooler with time in front of it. We then dissolve into the timekeeper's chamber, that robot head on the floor. Then the camera dissolves uh, to the soon-to-be-named void. 
Um, we see the Elioth cloud in the distance. Loki here talking to the variants. And he's told, well, this is the Void, and that's Elioth. Now, Pete, Elioth is, of course, an Easter egg for Goliath, the season two Knight Rider baddie, which was a big giant truck, <laughs> which itself, don't know if you know this, Pete, because this is how Easter eggs work. The Goliath baddie in season two of Knight Rider, that that, that, that mean truck driven by, as I recall, uh, a lookalike uh, of Michael Knight, played also by the Hoff himself. Uh, Goliath was an Easter egg for, get this, an Old Testament story called David versus Goliath. Pete, that's how <laughs> Easter eggs work. It is, and it also isn't. Eliath, of course, the comic character of Eliath the Usurper. We'll talk a little bit more about. But the glowing eyes and mouth visible as it roars takes us to the title card. And then back to the TVA, where Sylvie gets Renslayer to turn over her temp pad. Renslayer claims to be in the dark about who's behind the TVA uh, as Sylvie is. And Renslayer dangles the possibility that Loki is still alive. Um, But saving him, will it get them any closer to who's behind the TVA? Renslayer says it's complicated. She tells uh, Sylvie willingly because she wants to know who's at the top too who lied to her. Um, When they prune a branch reality, she explains, it's impossible to destroy all its matter, so they move it to a place on a timeline where it won't continue growing. It's not reset, it's transferred to a void at the end of time. Why? Renslayer does not know. But the dogma of the TVA states that the end of time is still being rewritten, that the timekeepers are transforming it into a utopia. Nothing ever comes back from there. So Renslayer says she can help Sylvie if she trusts her and she hands her back her temp pad. Now, Pete, I don't mean to be a pedant because this is a great scene with two great actresses, two great characters, some expositional sharing here, some perhaps shifting loyalties, or is it, or is it not? You know, so we have some intrigue there. Pete, ladies teaming up, always a good thing here. It's being dangled here. I just have one question, Pete. I know we've joked a little bit in the past. Oh, this one... YouTube channel complains that there appears to be one whole straight hallway set and one curved hallway set and things like that. Pete, I'm not having a bit of fun at their expense here, okay? When last we saw Sylvie and Renslayer, they were in the Timekeeper's chambers, which the show has had me believe you get to by way of the all-important elevator, uh, the elevator which you pick up at the end of one of these hallways. This scene taking place in the Time Court room... I'm a little curious how they got there. Now, look, I get it. They got there safely without being seen. I know because the story implies as much. It was just a weird um, a weird setting shift. It made me wonder, uh, was there an interstitial scene that got cut or maybe never filmed? Was this perhaps a reshoot? And they said, instead of doing all that green screen, and we gotta, then we got to do smoke, and then we got to do headless robot body. Hey, we're going to do this. Let's not forget, Pete, very expositional scene to maybe clarify 
uh, an unclear story point. Let's do it in an existing set where it's just like, we already have the lighting set. Lighters, turn on the lights. We already know how the set works in terms of here's a good place to stand and here's a good place to you know put the microphone and all of that. So again, I'm not saying, oh man, Pete, this is evidence of a mistake or this is evidence of um, a reshoot, evil reshoots. You make the best product out there, but just to recap, they started in one very difficult to get to spot and then now have gone to this much more uh, public location, albeit by themselves, in the time court. Perhaps they pruned that scene. Oh, man. Oh, man. Pete, it went the, to the void. In, in the void we go. Team Loki uh, is walking around various Easter eggs uh, being told. Oh, that... so many we're going to talk about. Pete, I will just summarize to say they're good Easter eggs. They're not necessarily, and truly, they are Easter eggs in terms of the sense of, oh man, in a little bit we get the Thanos chopper, which you can, you know. Uh, copter, copter, not chopper, copter. There's a difference which between. Which makes it even more over the top. <laughs> um, My point being, and I'm certainly not trying to dismiss these Easter eggs, I don't know that any of them are like you know, of major importance to the story going forward, but that's okay. The plan here is don't die. Uh, we get some more recap that they're all variants. Uh, I think uh, suggesting what you said earlier, Pete, that maybe there's a little, um, I don't want to say unwillingness, that the show wants to make sure you remember all the way from last week as opposed to in a movie, uh, we know you know what happened 90 minutes ago. Um, but Loki uh, wants to get to the TVA, Kid Loki repeats a lot of exposition here that they're all that all the pruned things get sent here. Classic Loki summarizes that it's a shark tank and Eliath is the shark. So if you just weren't quite clear of the particulars, there you go. Pete, I have a this isn't quite a theory question, but I want to get you on the record right now. Did Kevin Feige plan this shark metaphor with the intention of some sort of galactic streamer crossover since this is also shark week for the discovery and discovery plus folks and hemsworth's the star uh well oh, true there's shark week on discovery channel there's also shark beach with hemsworth um it's very pete just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water i'll say that much uh the variants have a good chuckle about the lack of a tempad which um is made even more clear on second viewing. Hey, if only we did have a tempad, then all our problems would be solved. Um, they're on the move again. And as for some cred about them, Kid Loki's Nexus event revealed killing Thor. That's when I said, oh, now the crown makes sense. Oh, Kid Loki is hardcore. So two of the items that are glimpsed at this point in the void first there is a giant yellow jacket helmet of course linked to the original ant-man film but we never saw him get big so there was a branch reality where he got the giant man uh powers um that i think is going to be very very big uh metaphorically moving forward and then that the Thanos copter, so for those that are unaware, in the comics, Thanos at one point flies in a yellow helicopter. <laughs> Something that obviously Kevin Feige and the people at Marvel Studios decided, yeah, you know, we're going to do the gigantic 
glove with all the stones. We're, we're not going to do the helicopter because it just seems really outlandish. But now that it is canonically real in this TV show, in this universe, because of branch realities, there was a reality where he had the helicopter and it's wound up here. Um, I stood up as I watched this at 3 a.m. <laughs> and pointed. Now it matters. Um, if nothing else, Pete, it's a good reminder that um, I think part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe secret sauce is they really look over and look over and look over all the different comic options, recognizing that over the years, depending on how old you know a particular property is, over the years some stinkers have been have been told over the years some ideas that were good ideas when they came out and now are not good ideas um exist and it gives you an opportunity to say you know let's take let's take a little of this let's completely abandon the thanos helicopter you know uh, until such time as this where it would make sense for a chuckle and so forth and to really have the best uh you know the best mcu version of these stories rise to the top uh, also pete uh, frog thor um is there i feel bad that frog thor appears to be perpetually trapped in a uh buried you know glass container <laughs> jar might be the right word um so can i get a hashtag sympathy for frog thor please <laughs> it is frog thor because the 365 identifies the volume that frog thor appears in not throg as some people have pointed out and again the distinction matters uh we descend into that bombed out bowling alley which is just a tremendous uh location uh classic loki asks why loki wants to return to the tva so badly uh boastful loki jokes about the glorious purpose and then we have the l shaped uh throne with the candy canes just again a tremendous set oh yeah ton of fun particularly i think that so much of the outside uh the exterior scenes in this episode are you know kind of grassy stage with extensive green screen and blue screen in the background maybe it suffers ever so slightly from you know a ton of kind of background processing and image processing and all that but you have the fantastic set here uh, the story takes us back to the TVA, uh, again, with that Renslayer and Sylvie showdown. Miss Minutes is tasked with finding information about the beginning of time. She's looking and looking. Sylvie wonders if hiding, um, if one is able to hide or go past the void, if that's the solution to finding who is behind all of this. Uh, Renslayer says no, and with that, Sylvie is ready to stab her. But wait, says Miss Minutes, what about the void spacecraft? Oh, yeah, I'll get some info on that. Renslayer explains it's a prototype that maybe could do the very thing that Sylvie uh, wanted to do. Then Sylvie was told no and about to kill Renslayer. No delay here. Miss, Miss Minute's just going to keep looking. Any second, looking and looking. Oh, wait, this was a delaying tactic as the Minutemen come into the, uh, the court here. Sylvie uh, jumps behind the judge's bench and wonders if Renslayer has any regrets. If she really wants to find the man behind the curtain, uh, Sylvie 
is given an offer to essentially give up and live out her life in a happy time loop. Uh, but Sylvie has a better idea. Pete, one that was a good a good surprise, maybe less surprising after two other main characters got pruned last week. But uh, Sylvie steps up and prunes herself. Yes, and as I understand it, Matt, the man behind the curtain is an Easter egg to a show you used to podcast. Um. Uh, yes, which itself lost uh, had its own Easter eggs to um, a movie, which itself was an Easter egg of a book by L. Frank Baum, who wanted to have a metaphor, as I understand it, uh, about the gold standard versus the silver standard and somewhere along the way the shoes turned into rocks or something like that pete speaking of rocks watch this seamless transition from the ruby slippers to this episode in the void lair rocks wine is being served uh boastful loki is so proud to have gotten all the infinity stones himself uh alligator loki through the language of alligators calls him a liar uh it is floated I would say mostly seriously, though for our comic effect, that uh, Alligator Loki's Nexus event was eating the wrong cat. Um, Pete, we then get the sad and woeful tale of classic Loki, who was on the same timeline as Loki Prime once. But when Thanos attacked the ship uh, right after Ragnarok, which is both an event and the name of a movie available on Disney+, Plus. Uh, classic Loki cast a projection of himself so, so real that the Mad Titan believed it. And uh, Classic Loki just hid as debris, found a solitary planet to live out his years alone. He had decided to remove himself from the equation for a long time. Over time, though, Pete, his heart doth beat for his brother, missed his brother. And I love the turn of phrase here. It's not when he left the planet. It's not when he started to build the spaceship or the wormhole gateway or whatever. When he took the first step to leaving his solitude. You don't need to get any more technical than that. When he was ready to leave, the TVA arrived and pruned him. So the idea here that he's lived the longest of any of them, that he's had the uh, ability to project uh, because none of that's going to come full circle within Richard E. Grant's appearance in this episode and his eventual nomination as a, uh, for the Emmy as a guest actor uh, that he's got these abilities that he has this experience um, that he is the God of outcasts that they all are, that that is their one part they all uh, toast, and of course, because kids don't drink Roxy wine, he toasts his ecto-cooler, his high-sea ecto-cooler. That's where it went, Matt, into the void. Well, you know what, Pete? I Obviously, it has been many a decade since I had ecto-cooler. I remember ecto-cooler being great and part of the fervor of Ghostbusters in between the two or, or not chronologically in between the two films but in the shadow of the two films and the real Ghostbusters animated series uh, I remember Ecto Cooler being great then I remember the Ghostbuster uh, power fading a bit from the zeitgeist still Ecto Cooler was there to be bought and I remember it being tasty I don't know if it uh, would still be as tasty now if made fresh. Pete, I've heard that unopened 
uh, high C boxes of it can fetch up to one thousand dollars on the <laughs> electronic bay. Uh, that's I haven't seen that myself, but that is not a joke. I've heard legitimately. I've, I read somewhere that you can get a get get a box for a thousand bucks. So it's the Szechuan sauce of of juices. Bustin makes me feel good, as they say. Um, as for our Loki, he has a plan. No, no, he's not special. Sylvie is the one. She's trying to take down the TVA. Um, so Loki's plan, just checking everything here. Eliath, shark, living creature. That means if it lives, it dies. He's going to kill it. Uh, there's a pause there, and then Loki gets laughed at. Pete, Richard E. Grant even gets in a, yeah, baby, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so who knew the classic Loki, a fan of Austin Powers? I mean, with the accent, he had to be, right? In in one reality, uh, Loki climbs up the ladder there to the surface when he opens the door, and it's President Loki and all the other Lokis, this nightmare, Matt, forces Sylvie to awaken. Flashes and rumbling cause her to uh, exit the windshield of a school bus where she is greeted by Elioth. that she comes into contact with ever so briefly. And we see what may or may not be Chronopolis for the end of the episode and next week. Uh, before a car which bears a little uh, pizza on a spring up top, Skinny's Pizza, um, honks its horn and rescues her. It's Mobius. There's a Sphinx in the background. And then we're back with classic Loki. Pete, though I did not dearly love this episode, um... I would only find major fault with the scene you have just described. Specifically, it should have been a Pizza Planet truck, you know, from Toy Story. It just would have been delicious. Uh, instead, it's a pizza delivery car, and and alas. But back we go to uh, Kid Loki's hideout, where President Loki is taking over, having been helped by Boastful Loki. It's been a double cross, but now Boastful Loki has been double crossed on the double cross plans. President Loki wins. But wait, his crew, which of course are all presumably Loki variants, are now double crossing him. Um, the shocking and hilarious moment where Alligator Loki bites off President Loki's hand. Uh, chaos ensues here. The music tells us not to take it too seriously, telling us that it's all silly. We have Hiddleston uh, tiptoeing about as well. We How see about that... the Loki with a with a helmet with the bicycle handlebars? Well, Pete, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that they could have done more to linger on the other variants. Um, let's not forget that, I mean, I, I get on the one hand, the thrust of the scene is they are all supporting, supporting characters. They are you know, spear carriers on, you know, spear holders on stage and, and not much more. They are also, in a certain sense, stars of their own Loki timelines. I would have liked maybe, Pete, I'm going to invoke the distinguished competition here. Remember back when there was the uh, multiple ways to solve the problems with the Suicide, Suicide Squad movie? I'm talking about the first one, Suicide Squad, not to be confused with the Suicide Squad. But part of how that movie, you know, 
dealt with its narrative problems was when they introduced people, you got an infograph with their name and this. Pete, where in this episode, or uh, not even where, it could have happened here, What wouldn't it be fun to be like, boom, Spaceman Loki, Nexus event, stopping the moon landing, boom, Hipster Loki, Nexus event, so forth and so forth. I'm not saying for all of the 12 to 14 people in the gang, but it would have been fun to get a little of that here, but alas... We don't. What we do get is Loki's classic kid and ours escaping through a magic portal. I'll leave out Alligator. Uh, and, you know, Pete, it's easy to leave out Alligator Loki, but you're absolutely right. Old Green Gator himself does join the crew. In the car, Mobius explains that uh, he believed they were good guys at the TVA. Uh, good guys, of course, Sylvie points out that orphaned little girls uh he's now sorry that he hunted her down but the only thing that matters matt is getting out and finding who is behind it all they're gonna turn around and go back to the angry cloud because that just might be the answer now pete i'm glad you mentioned that because i feel like the episode has mentioned that a couple other times too um and while I think this episode, as I said before, I think it, it falls a little short of greatness. Um, Pete, it's almost like they're trying to set up another story, maybe next week's season finale, where all this will be revealed because they keep repeating that so many characters want to find out who is actually behind it. Um, we, of course, at this point, cut to Team Loki uh, and they are headed toward the Storm Creature too. Its storylines converging. Uh, Kid Loki has a tracker, which to me kind of looks like a uh, Nintendo 64 controller <laughs> with some other doodads on it. Not quite sure. Uh, a little bit. I couldn't tell exactly. Would have been nice if, hey, my tracker says da 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 da. But uh, they're going to... The plan, because the Loki plan always working out, is going to be to go to Eliath to get inside, find its heart, its brain, whatever, and do it in uh, Gator Loki here. Uh, our Loki believes that he's on board, but actually he's praying because he thinks they're going to die. The There's so much in this episode that drips with delightfulness that i'm not quite sure why at least for me the whole thing is not uh is not delightful but um i know this pete we see the uss eldridge have to admit had to look that one up okay here it's a reference to the philadelphia experiment world war ii urban legend uh with uh, building a radar blinding device uh, did it malfunction and have the ship jump 200 miles? This is all part of the, the the urban legend here. What we're seeing is essentially a marvelization of another urban myth a la D.B. Cooper. We see the Eldritch crew fires on the cloud, um, and Loki notes that Eliath is going for the big meal. That will give uh, Team Loki time to... Uh, oh, wait, the USS Eldridge is now gone, so it's time to uh, refine the plan Maybe start fresh. But wait, Pete, is that the Pizza Planet truck? No, it's just a pizza delivery car. But Sylvie is in there. Skinny's Pizza is a Marvel Comics 
joint. Well, Pete, I like my proposed Easter egg more than more than theirs. But if there are any, I don't know, if there are any two more solid walls inside Disney than the Marvel silo and the Pixar silo, I, you know, I don't know what that would be. But Loki is happy to see Sylvie. He kind of like it looks like he wants the hug, but he holds off on it. He's pleased to see Mobius as well. Catches everybody up to speed. You're you, you're you, and so forth. Uh, however, Sylvie makes fun of the kill Eliath plan. She wants to uh, to use Eliath, rather, to get to the real bad guy, a want others have. Um, Eliath here, the metaphor, is a guard dog uh, protecting the real person uh, behind Eliath. Uh, she's going to enchant Eliath to make things happen. Back at the TVA in Time Theater 8, Renslayer arrives and asks the guards to leave. She used her Tem pad to open a red cell containing Hunter B-15, who freed the variant. She was disloyal to the TVA. To who, though? The timekeepers? They're not real. And she thinks the people need to know that. But Renslayer thinks the people need stability. Um, Hunter B-15 needs to tell her everything. Uh, and she explains that it's revenge that drives Sylvie. And she's searching for whoever created the fake timekeepers. Um, that it's not about protecting the TVA. And Renslayer like Sylvie, like Loki, wants to find out who's behind it all. So in case you're not clear where this show is going, they want to find out who's behind it all. The man behind the curtain or any other figurative language you want to use for a uh, big discovery, not at the end of this episode. Um, so the difference between uh, Sylvie and Renslayer is that Renslayer only wants to find who is behind the TVA Sylvie needs to do it and as she leaves the time theater Renslayer again accesses Miss Minutes uh, with a mighty tall order to find all the files about the beginning of the TVA uh, because whoever is behind the TVA is in danger in the void Mobius and Loki's classic and kid talk about how uh, Mobius has changed, how he's turned his back on the TVA now. Uh, just in case, Pete, you weren't clear about the previous scenes in which he established that. Uh, Pete, I'm sticking with the theory that um, obviously not very recently, uh, but I, I'm thinking that stuff was reshot for this episode to tighten things up uh, with regard to setting up the finale and so forth. Just, Just a little... One might say a spidey sense. Um, anyhow, Kid Loki just hopes that Loki and Sylvie know what they're doing. With that, we cut to that pair of people. See how the story handed that off there? It's cold, so Loki conjures himself a blanket. He could he could get one for Sylvie, too. Uh, but she instead wants to talk about uh, Mobius's theory, the Nexus event that uh, Loki and Sylvie shared. Probably just another TVA lie, you know, you know, this lie that they can have feelings and, and such. Uh, here, both actors give side glances to the other, but not at the same time. It's just a 
you know, a, a subtle but delightful bit of acting. Sylvie admits that she doesn't have friends or anyone, but that Loki extends his blanket around her too in a tender moment. Uh, she wonders if Loki will betray her in uh, the final moments, i.e., should you be concerned about this in next week's finale? Uh, he admits to betraying anyone he's ever loved, but uh, that's not how he is anymore. Uh, she notes that if they win, he can have a timeline to rule. He says Riley that he'd be happy. Pete, we know he's had an opportunity for self-reflection, and even prior to meeting Sylvie, uh, these kind of vainglorious uh, uh, thirsts of his were perhaps not what would make him happy in the end that they will figure it out together um and with that we have our remaining loki's uh and mobius looking down the dark aster that of course from uh guardians of the galaxy uh visible there and uh mobius next move uh is he needs to take the uh, TVA down. Uh, Eliath knows what is going on with uh, obviously who's behind all of this. And Sylvie explains that when she linked with it, she got a brief glimpse of something. So she's going to enchant it and uh, it's going to take them to whoever is behind it. Loki is going to stay though. Uh, and Sylvie doesn't know if this is going to work. If she goes, he goes. Uh, and Kid Loki tells us that there is a branch out there. Uh, Mobius will give their regards to Renslayer. Uh, all of the Lokis are going to stay there in what they call their home. Kid Loki gives that gold knife to our Loki, who creates straps on his back to hold it. Mobius opens a time door because he's going to burn the TVA to the ground. He will see Loki later. Uh, a hand is extended, which turns into a hug. And Loki thanks his friend, Mobius, who tells our Loki he is his favorite. Well, although, Pete, I thought Mobius was looking at Sylvie as he said it. Um, I So I read that differently, that maybe it was Mobius giving a... I'm not suggesting villainy, nor am I suggesting chemistry, but I thought that was kind of Mobius uh, being a little bit of a wisecracker in terms of hugging the one but telling the other that she is his favorite. Um, I think it works It works in any direction you want it to, short of them setting up something for next week. Uh, with that, our top two Lokis are left, uh, Mobius having gone through the door, um, with Sylvie ready to enchant uh, Eliath. Elsewhere, classic Loki looks back furtively, maybe wondering if he should turn around, but keeps walking. Pete, that's uh, that's a setup for later. Eliath approaches Loki and Sylvie. They might need another distraction uh, as, as the necessary branch is not appearing. Uh, Loki indeed is ready to, to do that. It's all kind of communicated through the acting here. You know, he gives a yes, she gives a no, shake of the head. He runs off. Um... And it seems to work, but then Eliath turns back to Sylvie, ready to, to eat her. Is it curtains for Sylvie? Uh, then we see a massive green light appearing. Uh, Asgard rebuilt by classy, a classic Loki magic. Uh, our Loki notes that we are stronger than we realize. 
Uh, classic Loki tells him to go, and with a little bit of an echo effect, it's made clear through the magic of cinema, they can hear him. Uh, Loki and Sylvie hold hands, and Pete, they can enchant it together. That's the, the hands coming together sound. <laughs> uh, it's Pete it is the physical and the emotional all kind of happening at once. Amidst all this distraction, Matt, even more distraction, the head of the living tribunal is clearly visible, uh, as is a helicarrier that bears the Hydra logo. And additionally, the Burger Chef Hamburgers uh, marquee. Uh, what would I know the Burger Chef Hamburgers from? Possibly uh, Burger Chef Hamburgers and Murders. Ah, well, murder indeed. Um, we see here back to the back to the Lokis here. We see Richard E. Grant's uh, classic loki um standing tall even as the asgard illusion starts to fall um Eliath centered on classic loki uh who shouts glorious purpose um this is his end now anyway uh and Eliath takes everything but the battered horns uh i think that's meant to show us that classic loki is really really officially gone at least as gone as one can be in uh in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I did hear Pete, uh, one of the characters that died in Endgame, uh, has their own movie coming out this weekend, which finds a it's a it, it's a uh, a prequel, but still the end for now. Um, now Eliath is headed towards Loki and Sylvie. But with their combined magic, they defeat him. He kind of poofs away. Loki is told to open his eyes, and he sees a a portal opening to. A, a kind of castle manor. I don't think, Pete, it's the same castle manor from Watchmen, since that would <laughs> probably... That would just be challenging, let's just say that. Um, and they start to walk toward the portal to end the episode. Hey! Oh, wow. Wow! 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 Oh, man, I feel like, wow! Pete, let's say wow to some mind-blowing theories here. The first one, Pete, look, I'm a married man. I know which end the, the, the bread gets buttered on. My wife says that it was Renslayer all along. Pete, who is the big bad and is it Renslayer? No. Luckily, she doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, is classic loki really gone for good which is to say as far down the marvel production timeline as can be seen right now if not for how boring his story seems to be that he basically went into quarantine until he wanted to come out of quarantine and the tva stopped him uh, I'd hope we'd get Richard E. Grant as this character again. Do you think he's coming back next week? I don't. Nor do I. And again, that's that's why I want to hedge it as like, I think the the visual language of the horns falling is his complete and total annihilation by Eliath. Can you bring him back in a thousand different ways? Sure, it's part of the comic book, movie, and TV genre but i think he's you know he's 100 percent dead for now um pete what theories do you have so there's so much packed into the visual nature of this episode uh 
before we even get to the void, um, there's uh, a a branch visible in uh, the TVA to Oak Island, Nova Scotia, which is a dense reference, Matt. Um, I it's not one that I am familiar with, although it sounds familiar. So please tell me more. So what if I told you there's a place on the continent of North America? Wait, is this a mutant thing? <laughs> it is not a mutant thing. Okay. Okay. Although sorry. It could, be. it could be. Okay. Okay. They have found all these mysteries. There's treasure. There are uh, believed links to Shakespearean manuscripts, possibly the site of where the Templar Knights may have buried the Ark of the Covenant and or the Holy Grail. Uh, This one excavation uh, site is known as the Money Pit, and it's fascinating. And all you got was the name of this place, and it conjures up so much. Uh, that is a ton of fun. I guess it's also in line with the Eldridge and D.B. Cooper and whatnot. Um, part of me, and again, I don't want to be overly repeating myself, nor do I want to sound like I'm completely down on this episode. This episode's number one job was to deliver us everybody's orientation and uh, position on the story map for next week. Um... The D.B. Cooper thing several weeks back was fun. Could we have gotten a little bit more of that with the Eldridge? Okay, maybe. Could we have gotten some more Oak Island mystery? Sure. Could we have gotten some more, as I said before, about the other Lokis? Like, I'm on the Wikipedia here, and it's not a lengthy entry on the Oak Island mystery. Oh, actually, maybe if I click on the actual Oak Island mystery thing. Whoa, this is a massive article, which, Pete, I'm going to look forward to reading uh, more about in the future. Here's kind of my point. If it's a throwaway thing in this episode, couldn't it have been, couldn't there somehow have been more Loki to it in some perhaps other version of this story? A, a variant, if you will. I mean, could it all be connected to where we're going in terms of the denseness of it? I suppose it's a possibility. Um, Yet another item glimpsed in the void, Red Skull's escape craft from Captain America, um, the first Avenger. That one I did catch as well, um, which I guess I'm I'm a smidge dismissive of these Easter eggs, if only because they're not, it's not our Red Skull's escape craft, right? It is presumably the escape craft from a branch where that was an issue, whatever it was. It somehow surrounded that incident. Um, It's all great for there to be a Hydra helicarrier in the background. I must confess, I saw the helicarrier, did not see the Hydra logo. Again, kind of interesting, but it's not our Hydra helicarrier. In fact, one has not appeared, at least in my memory, in the MCU. Um, But it's good stuff that they are filling the backgrounds with. Another item, Matt, we had noticed what looks like Stark Tower last week. This actually, I don't know if I'm saying it correctly, Kang uh, Tower. That, of course, a link to Kang Enterprises, uh, whose CEO, Mr. Griffin, uh, is linked to Spider-Man. There's the whole, you know sale of the Stark Tower in uh, Spider-Man 
Homecoming. So uh, yet another reference there. Pete, my takeaway when I saw the tower was um, just the notion that this must have been a a remnant of uh, Loki wins the Battle of New York or, you know, Iron Man doesn't make it out of the the, the wormhole. You know, kind of kind of some divergence there from the end of the first Avengers movie. Um, again, kind of fun to ponder fun to ponder all these different timelines if only pete there was a storytelling place where we could be maybe hopping in between a whole bunch of different timelines and having all sorts of fun it's almost like the show thought about doing it then somebody came in and said no 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 jade bartlett and michael waldron have already written that script it's called dr strange in the multiverse of madness dial it back just a little bit uh we'll give you naruto headband loki instead so Eliath, uh, known as Eliath the Usurper in the comics, was the first being to free itself from the flow of time and served as the guard dog around Chronopolis, where Kang the Conqueror resides. We have Quang Tower. We have Kang the Conqueror. Mr. Griffin revealed later to be Kang Kang has been cast for Ant-Man Quantumania uh, and will be played by uh, Jonathan Majors. He of uh, the Lovecraft Country uh, show on HBO. And it remains to be seen, Matt, whether we will get him in the first season of Loki here proper but they're clearly steering into that. I would say the evidence does seem to be piling up there. And it's, it's kind of in this, um, it's in this Marvel, you know, kind of, does the dog wag the tail or does the tail wag the dog kind of thing by which I mean, are they setting up little things for the future? Uh, or have they set the future, which is, I must confess, I don't recall exactly when uh, Mr. Majors was uh, was cast. Uh, I, I see here, cast in September. So is it possible that, um, what am I trying to say? Is it possible that since last September, so what, 9, 10, 11 months ago, that they've got him and now they can backward track the setup now that they have him they can start putting kang references elsewhere is it possible that if you got him 10 11 months ago you can sit him in front of a green screen a blue screen or an led screen and go all right now you're gonna say hello loki and sylvie i now you know attack you or you know how it my point being and and with no kind of uh i don't mean any sense of irony here since loki the show deals with time travel and whatnot are these Easter eggs pointing to a future that they were planning? Are the Easter eggs pointing toward a future that they were definitely planning when they uh, planted them? Or are these Easter eggs pointing to a thing that they have already done and it's actually set up for this or another movie slash TV show's narrative? I guess it doesn't make much of a difference either way, but I kind of, I don't know. I like knowing the the, the order of things. I like knowing how the clock gears uh, tick along that this could ultimately be who is behind the TVA. This is a character that Renslayer is intimately connected with in the comics. 
that we've got the uh, the Ant Man connection of the giant yellow jacket helmet. I think could be something that that's visually further trying to to link us there. Um, Renslayer says that it's complicated. What more could be complicated than really knowing and or discovering she is a variant sent to the TVA for her own protection? And I think it gets down to gets down to the following notion, Pete. Next Wednesday, when we all click on uh, Loki episode 106, whether it's the season finale or the series finale, is it going to be a finale? I, let me preface this little speechifying here by saying I understand that so much with Marvel is, you know, the adventure continues to some degree. Uh, but how satisfying a meal will it be to discover that the baddie of this entire adventure that we have been invested in with this beloved character of Loki and uh, the more recent beloved characters that we've added, Sylvie, Mobius, uh, and so forth, and all the good work done that this, uh, this show has done in terms of representation and all of that, if it's revealed to be, and because of the nature of the plot, ahaha, ha Kang is the real bad guy, but if you want the real mystery, well then, see you in 2023, is it? You know, um, how satisfying will that be versus a self-contained meal where we say, and the baddie was old Renslayer or Renslayer clone or whatever, somebody who we've known all along, which, by the way, Pete, is a Marvel trope where the friend that you had uh, turns out to be the enemy you didn't know you had. Um, I guess that's a long way of saying I'm more team Renslayer in terms of what I think would solve this, this, uh, next episode, episode 106. Now, if, if when we click on it, you say, oh my goodness, it's an hour and five minutes long. Okay. Then you have enough story time to really zip around and, and give a Kang type character his due. If you click on it and go, oh, it's 43 minutes, which, you know, minus the credits, okay, blah, blah, blah. Um, I feel like runtime alone for me will have me saying, is it Renslayer or is it is it Kang? Is it a small connection? Is it a big connection to, to future properties? Kang also connected to uh, the Fantastic Four, and that's coming as well. Matt, what was Sylvie's one good memory that Renslayer might have imprisoned her in. I think something family oriented, maybe something back in Asgard with, with mother and father and brother. Um, I think somewhat similar to uh, under B 15 and her happy memory. It's the kind of thing where if I'm running this show, um, or if I'm head writer, since no one runs the shows except for Kevin Feige and uh, Louis Desposito and Victoria Alonso. Um, but regardless, if somebody asked me, all right, make, make the call. Are we going to film this? Are we going to write this? Are we going to leave it best in memories? Um, unless we need to see it. Like, unless Sylvie's fate is going to be, ah, she gets imprisoned there. And, oh, it's also a holding spot for her to reenter the story at, at a later point. But if we have to go there... 
I would say family. I think if you don't need to show it, let it be what I think is the best Sylvie memory, which could be different from your memory and so forth. Let it be unseen. Let it be in our hearts. Um, because then it's the it, the lack of definition will give it the most meaning. It's got to be uh, the, the Nexus event with Loki on Lamentis. Uh, eh, and they're just going to putter around Lamentis the whole time? I mean, th- I think that was special. But I think that that was... Is that a is that a place to live the rest of your life, or is it? Are there happier times that she's had? I, Pete, you could be right. I guess again, if she gets sent there and we see it next week, uh, which I would not entirely rule out, um, then I think. How about this way? If they're going to show it, then I'm on board as Team Pete. I've been beat by Spoiler Pete enough times to just get on board, even if I'm not feeling it as showrunner Matt. Um, unseen i will say it is back when she was was younger uh on asgard so i misspoke a go a couple episodes ago when i apparently said i didn't go back and listen but a listener pointed it out that the episode was finished that week it was actually the finale that was finished two weeks ago okay so you propose the idea that they've brought in Jonathan Majors that he's performed what he's needed to for uh, Ant-Man that they've been able to incorporate this for uh, the finale here Uh, Ant-Man is shooting yeah and I mean even if Ant-Man wasn't shooting I think that um, regardless of whatever else might have been going on in his schedule I think that First of all, there was an article in the last week where it was like, um, hey, Kevin Feige, are you going to do more super expensive, super long-term um, uh, contracts? You know, Samuel L. Jackson, nine movies and all that. And he said, you know, we're kind of backing off things like that. We want to work with people who are excited to work with us uh, and where we can have them work across a bunch of different properties. So with that in mind, fine, Ant-Man has started shooting in the last, uh, you know, in the last several months, I believe. Um, and, uh, filming began in February in Turkey. So I don't know. Did you need him in Turkey? Did he join the shoot mid June in, uh, Pinewood in Buckinghamshire? I don't know when he joins the production, but Pete, when he signed the contract last summer or last September, it might've been, you know, this movie, and three Disney Plus appearances, however that gets defined as an appearance, you know. So maybe separate from Ant-Man, you sit and go, uh, hey, John, look, it's, uh, it's you know, November. Uh, you have a break between this and that, the other. Great. This weekend, we're going to fly you from L.A. to Atlanta, or we're going to come to you in L.A. or we're gonna, wherever he lives. Uh, we got the costume ready to go. You're going to say some stuff in front of a screen, green, LED, whatever. Um Point being, Pete, you don't need to get him on set and say, come over here and do and do uh, some Loki lines. This could have been done forever and a day ago. Time to check into that mailbag. And Pete, first up, as always, is our Twitter poll. This week's episode rated out of sharks. Get it, Pete? Because Eliath is like a shark. Uh, one shark alligator grunt okay fine i I mixed two metaphors here bear with me 1.9 percent two sharks it's a bit gray got 5.8 percent 
Uh, three sharks, good and ready for the finale, got 21.2%. And four sharks, golden crown, got 71.2%. So certainly plenty of enthusiasm there. Uh, we heard from our captain, Noel Gardner, who said this episode was epic in its visuals and uh, the number of Lokis. So many Lokis, also so many Easter eggs. Our Loki watching the chaos of all the other Lokis fighting was hilarious. Gator Loki is a treasure. Miss Minutes is definitely not innocent in all of this. Uh, I'm still going back and forth on the final villain between uh, whether the final villain is another Loki or Kang. There's so much evidence for Kang that it could be Mephisto 2.0. Can't (laughs) wait to see how it all ends or if it ends pending with a season two, which Pete, I stand by my concern. Are you going to deliver us an ending for Loki season one or is it going to be, you know, and the adventure continues in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, as well as Loki Season 2, now announced in the mid credit scene, you know. My instinct remains, you gotta tie up this season with a satisfying bow. Um, but Pete, we had not discussed the idea. Is it yet another Loki? Your thoughts? Cafisto. There you go. Pete, we heard from You Know, that's at NateDizzy05. Can we all agree that the alligator, alligator grunt voters, that's the one the one star, the one shark, are just trolls, right? And it's a bit gray. Voters were uh, hurt recently by someone they love and thus voted this way. How can you not be enamored with this episode? Onward, hashtag Loki soldiers. Pete, I have to admit, I think I would give this episode a two. I so maybe maybe it was maybe I was hurt by someone uh recently uh recently hurt by someone that loves me. I don't know, but I, I like I said Pete, I'm not overly down. I don't know. Pete, I stated my case. Um <laughs> disagreeing with me completely is maleficent butterfly emoji that's at Darth Darcy fan one this whole episode might be the best 49 minutes I have spent in the MCU I love the variants Richard E. Grant was perfection pumped for next week but truly sad to say goodbye to these characters for now we heard from J Philly B that's at J Philly B for fandom so many Lokis so little time the fanfic practically writes itself there was only one blanket ooh can't believe we're already at the last episode. We cannot wait to see what's beyond the void. Also, after so many verbal Wizard of Oz references, the visual cue of the portal opening from the monochromatic void to the more colorful uh, beyond was a delight. I say, J. Philly B, that is a delightful uh, Wizard of Oz take on the conclusion of the episode. Next up, here's Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. Mark this down. I said it first. Mephisto is in the castle having dinner with Wanda and Dr. Strange. Mark my <laughs> words, Loki. For real, though. Okay, fine. Pete, he was telling a joke. I, 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 I agree with him that it's probably not going to happen because he's saying for real, though, and he's about to say more things. Could I completely exclude it as a possibility? No. Uh, For real, though, Andre says, I love seeing all those Lokis on the screen at the same time, and I am totally an alligator Loki stan. Fantastic episode. On another note, I am not saying Miss Minutes is a villain, but she's definitely villain adjacent. She knows a lot more about what is going on than everyone else. She has access to all the records, and remember, Loki asked if she was alive or not, and she said both. 
Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's at TessLC139, says, When Loki, loki the Loki, and loki loki the other Loki, all the Lokis, loki Lokis, so the Loki could Loki the Loki. That was L-O-W slash dash K-E-Y, Loki. Four Lokis for this Loki. Uh, and I will be first in line for the Alligator Loki Funko Pop. Well played there, good sir. Uh, Bruja Escalarda says, uh, that's at Modern Priscilla, by the way, Sylvie's hair has gotten a good bit longer in the short time the show has been taking place. I suppose she could make herself look any way she wants, though. Uh, also, her accent went very East End while she was in the car with Mobius. Just observations. Uh, Pete, I believe East End is a little uh, less the King's English. I know there was an episode, I want to say, at the Rocks cart, where I kind of thought I heard some more northern stuff coming out of here i know she's from nottingham which i think is not i know it's not as far north as the north of liverpool and whatnot but it's it's i don't know english uh accents and all their many sub permutations are pete there's another podcast that's covering that wonderfully i'm I'm, i have no doubt uh from jackie wolf that's at jackie wolf it's going to be hard to wait until next wednesday not sure why Sylvie didn't just use her mind trick on Renslayer to discern her true intentions, but I suppose that would have been too easy. Uh, a fair question, and I think a fair answer. It's probably writerly flourish, but uh, I have to admit, Pete, good job to the story, because I had not considered that as an easy solution. Did it need to happen in this episode? No, no. Okay. There you go. Uh, from LMD Mary, that's at Geek Kirk, uh, the, the vaunted Mary Kirk. This episode was pure insanity and pure wholesomeness all at once. And has there ever been as many actual Easter eggs in one hour of comic book media? Uh, and just like with the other two shows, one episode left and I have no idea where it's going to wind up. That said, I'm betting on a Loki variant being behind the TVA at this juncture. We are more powerful than we realize. So, Pete, where are you up to now with hashtag evil Loki? Where am I up to? Like, we had not, in the in the body of the podcast, we had not spent a lot of time today, we have in the past, but not today, saying, will a Loki variant be revealed to be the person behind the curtain? This is clearly on the, on the lips of many listeners. What are your thoughts? I just feel like they've laid so much kang track uh you know the the point that people have brought up is all right this is loki's show it's not kang's show um much like i just said before with uh sylvie enchanting renslayer to to get at the truth that it didn't need to happen in this episode can you not have an evil Loki variant, a, a behind the TVA Loki variant working with or adjacent to Kang the Conqueror? Next up, Pete, is a tweet from James the Sagacious. That's at Big Kiln on Twitter. So much fun. No idea how this ends and how it should be. Uh, sorry, that's how it should be. Uh, the blanket move was smooth, just saying. Uh, next up, we hear from Rose. It's at Lil Bookworm 31. Every part of this episode was amazing, but Natalie Holt's soundtrack takes the cake for me. That ride of the, the Valkyries motif was just phenomenal. Indeed, Pete, 
I watched another Marvel thing this weekend where I said, I wish Natalie Holt scored this movie uh, because the music is rather bland. It's, it's merely doing what it needs to do in terms of excitement here, mystery there. Natalie Holt, you're going places, uh, lady. Next, we heard from Stephen James. Is that Mr. Holland, F3? Uh, I don't know if he's the Tokyo Drift version of the Mr. Hollands. Uh, I'm not smart enough to even guess what's going to happen, but I can't wait to read an article about how a helicopter with Thanos on the tail is an Easter egg to the Awesome Adventures movie. Um, luckily, we covered it here. We heard from Eric Pritcher. That's at Coach underscore Pritch. Can't wait to see Mephisto revealed. Hashtag finally. Hashtag but wait, Pete, there's more. Uh, and then last Pete this is now the perfect button to our tweets here from Darren Bell Darren B46052059 he replies merely with the Owen Wilson uh, gif where he is saying wow Pete what do you have over there on Facebook Brooke Warzella writes in Matt I've missed you guys so Having you back in my waxy ears is a good thing. I finally fell victim to Disney+. Plus. What the what is this about? And she's included uh, one of the Black Widow um, poster versions. This, you know, basically the thorax of a Black Widow spider with that iconic uh, red uh you know upside down triangles next to the time variance authority logo Mm -hmm. which has also uh what's supposed to be the hourglass so pretty interesting uh that's a good that's a good catch probably the two are unconnected um, since uh, the Matt, black... I've been told hashtag it's all connected by uh, Jeff Loeb, who of course does not work for Marvel anymore. And then now I've been told uh, it's mostly connected or it's finally connected for the first time. I, I can't remember what was insultingly thrown at uh, Marvel TV watchers uh, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, Marvel Assembled. <laughs> Or if you're James Gunn, uh, we at Marvel Studios just don't uh, count any of the TV shows before uh, WandaVision and Falcon. We just don't count them as part of the MCU, uh, which is true, but still the sting stings a bit. Well, Pete, from the sting of what counts to the sweetness of those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, we continue to be so privileged and so humbled that people go to Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek to keep us listeners supported and to let us do what we do week in and week out. Everybody who contributes gets access to a shimmering portal that will reveal a city that it takes just a dollar to get you into each month all sorts of either exclusive items things that will only ever live there like what we recently added or uh early listens so get yourself to patreon.com slash fantastic geek today can't contribute at this time get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating in seconds uh to counteract some of the clowns that like to leave one-star drive-bys with no justification whatsoever. Leave us a review. Tell us we're great. Or tell us we suck. 
all of which helps us. Well, Pete, this Marvel weekend, of course, will continue tomorrow over on our Marvel Movie Podcast feed, as well as, of course, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. We will be talking Black Widow, the triumphant return to theaters, uh, as well as Disney Plus, uh, for uh, Marvel movies proper, and can't wait to dive on into that. So one more reminder to listeners, if you're listening to this on Saturday, be sure to share your feedback with us uh, about the movie. And uh, we'll include that in our discourse. Of course, looking ahead to next weekend, Pete, we will be talking the season finale of Loki. Ah, how these weeks have gone by. And, of course, many adventures to come after that. But, Pete, how can people be in touch with you to talk about Loki predictions, Black Widow reactions, hopes and dreams for what if, anticipation for Star Trek Lower Decks, and so forth? You find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,031 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter's Looking Back Lost, do me touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P-H, all one word, like it today. Well, Pete, this episode comes to a close. Can't wait to have the conversation continuing tomorrow and next weekend. For now, though, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Don't die. It's not a plan.